Thanks, Leon. Great to be back uh, amongst friends and also amongst a lot of new faces, which is even more exciting because if it's just been the same group of people since I left, I'd have been asking Leon what on earth he's been doing for the last 10 years. Um, but it's great to be back. Um, just to, I kind of just want to publicly um, thank Leon, really, for, for his friendship with me over the last uh, 10 years or so. I don't think I'd be standing here today uh, if it wasn't uh, for Leon. And um, when we uh, launched the church about three and a half years ago, uh, we kind of, you have the initial kind of uh, euphoria of that, and it was great. And, and then uh, you, you discover that church would be great, other than the fact there are people in church. <laughs> and uh, uh, perhaps that's one of the reasons why I, I chose the subject on forgiveness that I have uh, to speak on uh, this morning. But um, Leon's been a friend, he's been a, a mentor, he's been a, a, a counsellor, and he's been my therapist sometimes. Uh, as well. So, mate, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you to you as a church, whether you know it or not, you've been a real support to us, not just through Leon's friendship, but also through um, others who have come and visited us. Simon's been down and spoken, and uh, Mark's been down and led worship, uh, and other guys have come down with Leon uh, at different times to come and be a part of it. Leon's been coming down the last two or three years, a um, couple of three times a year, and it's been fantastic. And the guys, believe it or not, still look forward to him coming, which is... Um, <laughs> Shows the uh, amazing grace of God in the midst of <laughs> everything. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Matthew 18. We'll, we're going to dip into a story there, a parable there, a little bit later on. But I don't know about you, how many of you have uh, done your Christmas shopping yet or not? Anyone finished? Any, you need to get out more. Don't, <laughs> don't be going, oh, look at me, aren't I? No, no. It's wrong. It's November. It's November. But if you're still looking for some... Uh, ideas. I've, I've actually bought my wife's present already. Yeah, she's stunned. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to mine, darling. That would be nice. But if you're still looking for some ideas, um, I, here's a few that you might share. I don't know whether you know this or not. You can now get designer coverings for your garage doors. So here's, uh, here's, here's the first one. This is, uh, there you go. That's literally a, a garage covering that you can put on your door. Because uh, if, you, if you look right at the top, and then you can see there's like a little red bobble thing. That's just the kind of pull-down cord for your garage door. So that's kind of nice. If you like wine, you could have this one on your garage door, for example. <laughs> and if you really want to get conversations going with your neighbours, not just through putting stuff through their door, which, by the way, is an amazing thing to do, you could try this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you... You might need more than three services to get them in. Uh, if you do that, I'm not sure. But, um, but, but if you're looking for the ultimate gift, you may need to go to the uh, Neiman Marcus uh, Christmas Catalogue. They are a luxury-based retailer uh, that's been publishing Christmas catalogues since 1926. Uh, and they include such presents, for example, as a Guinness Home Pub, which comes complete with a one-year supply of fresh Guinness on draft. And that will only set you back about £145,000. Uh, if you want to bring it down a little bit, you could go for two life-size structures, or statues, sorry, of you and your loved one constructed out of Lego bricks. Uh, that would set you back about £70,000. Um, uh, but if you want something for the kids, uh, really want something to kind of inspire your kids, for them to just remember you, amazing. Are those kids or grandkids? Uh, how about this then? Uh, let me just flick, flick this picture up. There you go, look. Uh, it's, it's a... Um, Real-life gingerbread house, six feet high, five feet wide, and four feet deep, made of gingerbread, royal icing, lollipops, cookies, and gumdrops. 
only set you back £9,500. But all of these are great, but they're going to cost you a lot of money. And I don't know, unless you're like me or unless you're on a salary like Leon is, you're not going to be able to afford um, anything like that. But this price tag series is designed to, to highlight some of the, the amazing gifts that God gives us that money can't buy. Uh, gifts that we desperately need or that we seek. Uh, some perhaps that we're aware of, some perhaps uh, that, that we don't. And the gift that I'm speaking on this morning, the gift of forgiveness, is not one of those gifts which gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. I suspect as you came into church this morning and you realised what the subject was, your heart perhaps sank. When Leon sent me the list through, I could have spoke on hope, on joy, on contentment, on purpose, and you'd have skipped out of the church like a merry old thing and gone, oh, this is great. Uh, And then today I'm speaking on forgiveness. But... It's forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness, that clears the way for you to be able to enjoy and embrace all the others. See, if we catch only a glimpse of its power and potential in our lives, we'd be queuing up around the block to get it because it will transform our lives and it will transform our worldview as well. Those of you that know me will notice that there's something very different about me. Still as good looking as I was when I was here before, but um, I I now have uh, a pair of spectacles. Uh, which I've been wearing for two weeks, just under two weeks. Uh, I should have been wearing them for a lot longer, I discovered, <laughs> when I went to the opticians. Uh, having struggled driving around quite a bit with my work with Christians in Sport and uh, uh, driving around and I'm thinking, oh, I should be able to see that car in front of me. <laughs> Not just read the number plate, see the car in front of me. And um, so uh, I went to the opticians. Uh, my wife nagged me into going and I, and I went to prove that I didn't need to have glasses. Um, and I'm wearing them. Um, uh, it became apparent to me when she flashed the letters up on the wall and said, if you could start reading from the top. And I could kind of go, well, I think there's an A there because that's got a pointy top. Uh, but that was about as accurate as I could be. I, I literally, I, well, I was outside the legal limit for driving. Um, and uh, basically, I couldn't see. Uh, needed some spectacles, which was brought into full reality when she then just went like that, whole, dropped a load of her lenses in. She went, there we go, is that better? And I literally gasped. I went, oh my goodness. Is that what my eyesight's meant to be like? And she said, yes, that is what your eyesight's meant to be like. I went, that's amazing. That's amazing. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. But then I had a decision. It was like, it was like I'd moved from having like a really dodgy TV to having full HD in full 3D. It was like, wow, absolutely amazing. Driving up here today, I never realised how amazing Hale's Owen was. It was like, wow, is that what it looks like? That's incredible. But, um, but I put it down to tiredness. I put it down to stuff, stress, hassle, being a church leader, um, all of that stuff. And kind of thought, well, I just kept buying eye drops and, it, you know, that will go away eventually. But it never went away. So when I was faced with the full reality of what my eyesight was, I had a choice to accept and embrace the truth that was put in front of me and to make a change and do something about it or to carry on with my worldview distorted and blurred. And when I left the opticians, having picked my glasses up about two or three days later, everything was the same, but nothing was the same. In full 3D as I, 3D as I walked through, suddenly saw things in a different perspective, in a completely different way. And it strikes me that that's what forgiveness feels like. When we experience forgiveness, when we receive the gift of forgiveness, and particularly when we then 
pass that gift on to other people. That's what it begins to look like in our own lives. We see things, see the world, see people, see circumstances, situations, our lives in a completely different way than we never have done before. And my prayer for you is that you'll leave here this morning uh, with a new set of lenses through which you'll view the world. Some of, the, some of you may well have walked in knowing that you're coming in with some stuff. Some of you may be through the context of these next few minutes as I share with you, God's going to raise some stuff up that you had no idea was buried. I spoke to somebody in the first service. God prompted them about something that happened in 1958 that they'd never even asked God to forgive somebody for. So let's just pray. Father, I pray that you do that today, that you'll prompt us and that you'll reveal stuff to us and you'll set us free. Uh, to become the person that you want us to be, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm not a theologian, but here's my theology on life. In life, stuff happens. Some good and some bad, right? Good stuff brightens our worldview. Bad stuff taints or darkens our worldview. It either makes us better or bitter. In other words, when something happens to us, if we, if we don't deal with it, what happens is that we, it's like we get a set of new set of spectacles through which we view the world, but, it, but they have a tainted lens or a distorted one, or the, the lens that we have, the prescription that we now have, is not quite right, and so we're not seeing things quite as they should be or quite as we should see them. And the bad stuff, if we're not careful, has a way of attaching itself to us. Something that somebody said or, or something that somebody didn't say to you. Something that they did or didn't do to you or to somebody else can begin to affect the worldview through which we begin to see things. Particularly if we don't deal with those things. If we don't uh, take them to God and give them to God and allow God to deal with them. And instead what we do is perhaps that we, we file them away in, 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 the kind of the, 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 in places in our heart. And, and we kind of go, right, there we go. That's one for the husband. There we go, that's it, I'm just going to lock that down. Just in case, I need to pull it out in the future and go, there you are, see, you're doing it all over again, you're doing it all over again. And we find that our lives become marred and marked and stained by a whole load of things that begin to block our worldview or change our worldview and our perspective on life, on people, on circumstances, on situations, on this whole world that we find ourselves uh, living in. We log it. We keep a record of it. And in moments of anger, we say, I'll remember that. And the trouble is, we do. Or we say, I'll never forget that. And we never do. And bang, we log it. And we log it. And we log it. And maybe some of you here, you have a whole filing cabinet. Your husband, your wife, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, your neighbor, your work colleague, your boss. Something that happened in school, something that happened in primary school, something that happened in your childhood, something that happened last week. We log it, we log it, we log it. And we feel the pain of that. And it's real, it's very real. Again, this Christmas, families will be at loggerheads. Perhaps your family might be at loggerheads, teetering on the brink all the time. Could go one or two ways. It's going to be a great celebration and a happy day, or it all could go pear-shaped. A look... Did you see the way he looked at me? What do you mean? See the way he looked at me? He didn't. What, he didn't. He just stared across the. Exactly. <laughs> Why? Because somewhere in our history we've logged something, and it takes a moment to bring it all back, and all those feelings come flooding 
right back up all over again. Proverbs 15 verse 18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And here's the great delusion or the great lie. The belief is that if I hold on to it and I don't forgive the person, I will feel better. I'll feel justified. I'll feel righteous. I'll feel that I'm in the right and that therefore I am punishing them as a result of not giving them the gift of forgiveness. But the reality is that the only person that you're punishing is yourself. You see, the problem is when we log it and we hold on to it, it doesn't protect us or help us. It poisons us. It robs you not only of your peace in that moment, but in your ongoing story day by day. It taints our lenses, affects our worldview. Post on Facebook that I saw this week said, The more anger towards the past you carry in your heart, the less capable you are of loving in the present. T.D. Jakes, in his book, Let It Go, says, Unforgiveness unchecked becomes a cancer to our soul. He goes on to say that it doesn't stay where it starts, it spreads and begins to affect every area of our lives. Emotional health, physical health, spiritual health. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And here's the reality, when we don't open up the gift of forgiveness, when we don't embrace all that it can be and all that it can do in our lives, it eats up your personality, Unforgiveness eats up your creativity, it eats up your energy, it eats up your spirituality. The endless rage, resentment, guilt and anger drains the life out of everything that you do. And when we allow unforgiveness to take hold, what we do is we empower our history at the expense of our destiny. And friends, the price tag is too big. Your life matters too much to be carrying that stuff around with you every moment of every day and I believe God wants to say to some of you this morning it's time to let it go it's time to give it up it's time to put it down here's the test whether you know that unforgiveness of any shape or form rests within your heart and within your soul when something happens in your life is your response in direct proportion to the offence or does it get real big real quick Somebody cuts you up on the road that might slow you down by one second. If that, what happens inside you? Where does that come from? So that something's happened and we've logged it. Somebody says something, somebody does something and you find yourself, this rage begins to bubble and boil within you and you're trying to suppress it and hold it down. These feelings, these thoughts, these anxieties, these worries. You feel the back, you're feeling the back part of your brain rather than the creative front part of your, your brain. Anxiety, worry, stress begins to flow through your body and you find yourself drained and exhausted oh so very quickly. You find yourself trying to fight just to keep control of your emotions. It probably points back to a time in history when you've logged something or a number of different things. You've not taken them to God. You've not allowed the gift of forgiveness to flow in and through your life and then out to those around you. And it's somewhere there in your history. Because when unforgiveness remains, something happens in a situation or in a relationship and it's like you are transported back to that very moment. It's like somebody's pulled a scab off the wound all over again and it's raw and it's painful and it hurts And then we act or we react or overact in a way. 
Perhaps your partner comes back late, having had a previous indiscretion. And even before then, your mind is already playing through what might already be going on. Or something that happens at work, or your parents, somebody doesn't pick up the phone or does, or they ask a question in a certain way, and you're already playing through a reality that's got nothing to do with that person. It's got to do with something that happened with another person in your history way back when, and what you did was you logged it in the files in your heart. Rather than give the gift or receive the gift of forgiveness, you grabbed a hold of it and you kept a record of it just in case one day you needed it, believing that they were the ones that were going to pay when ultimately you're the ones that are paying the price that is too great to pay. And yet if you're here as a, as a Christ follower, if you're here as a Christian, again, as Leon said, I'm not assuming that any of you are. The Bible points to us time and time again. God's purpose and God's plan, God's desire and God's dream for you is that forgiveness will rule and reign in your life. He says time and time again, forgive, 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 forgive. And we're like, forgive? Are you kidding? Right, so the gift of forgiveness. Somebody hurts me and I give them a gift. Oh, yeah, that's good, yeah. Yeah, I'm all up for that, Lord. That's fantastic. Thank you. Somebody hurts me and I give them a gift uh, in return. That's not intuitive. That doesn't even make sense. It seems backward. God, I believe in payback. You do something that hurts me and then you pay me back. And until you pay me back, you owe me. And if necessary, for the rest of my life, I will spend every day, every waking moment, trying to wring out every ounce of payback that I can possibly get from you and from anyone around me in order to get back what I feel that's been taken from me. The thing is that we give our potential for happiness to the person who has hurt us. We hand it to them. Because unless they give it back to us, then we feel like we can't ever be happy again. And friends, it's time to turn the tables. Embrace the gift of forgiveness and we wrestle back the opportunity, the potential for happiness in our lives. And more importantly, we, we secure a hope and a potential for the future that God has in store for us. And so the perfect law that brings freedom says, no, you forgive, 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 forgive. You cancel the debt. You forgive that person who has hurt you. Are you kidding me? How does that bring freedom? But as you get older, you meet people who've decided never to forgive. Perhaps you grew up in a home with a dad who was on the edge because he decided never to forgive his mum or his dad for the way that they had treated him. Or you grew up in a family where you bore the brunt of a mum who could never forgive your dad for his indiscretion. Or around a friend or a work colleague who was like a supersonic jet you know, naught to a hundred in a flash, in a moment. You do something or you say something or somebody else does something in the office and it's like, boom! Explosion happens in a moment, in a second. And then they pour out this venom all over you and you're like thinking, what is up with you? What is going on in your life? What is going on in their life is that they chose never to forgive. And they logged it somewhere in the annuals of their heart and it took nothing, just a moment, a time, when they were transported right back to that pain and that hurt. And it was real and raw all over again. And that is where we see that eruption taking place. And we choose not to forgive because forgiving is letting somebody off. And yet the perfect law that brings freedom says no. When, when you let somebody else off, you let you off. When you give the gift of forgiveness to somebody, you give yourself a gift. 
You see, what's amazing about it is it's a two for the price of one deal. And everybody loves a two for the price of one deal, right? Boxes of roses at Tesco's or any other superstore that you might choose to buy them from. You know, we love them, don't we? You'll have your cupboards packed full, probably, ladies, of two for the one deals. And the husband's going, we don't need any more shampoo. (laughs) It was on offer. We love a two for the price of one deal. And this is a two for the price of one deal. We receive the gift of forgiveness. And as we give the gift of, of, of forgiveness out, we receive a much greater reward back than even to the person that we give the gift of forgiveness to. Recent studies show that people who learn to forgive become less angry, more hopeful, less depressed, less anxious, and less stressed, which leads to greater physical well-being. That's just the medical facts about the reality of what research has proved takes place time and time again. And yet, in the spiritual life, in our faith journey and our walk with God, there is something much more at stake. See, it's not just about a better life for us and for others. It's about letting go of our pain so that we can enjoy the presence and the power of God in our lives in all the fullness that he wants us to enjoy. And if we want to experience the full reality of all that God wants to pour into our lives, forgiveness isn't a luxury gift. It's an absolute essential. In Matthew 18, Peter is clearly having a bad day. If you've got your Bibles open, uh, turn to verse uh, 21. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. What's going on is here is that in Judaism, uh, three times was considered sufficient uh, for, uh, to, to forgive somebody. It was kind of the accepted norm. So Peter thinks, well, I'll be super spiritual and I'll offer not just twice as much, a bit more than twice as much. So I'm going to go for seven Lord, and he's going to go, oh, Peter, you are, you are like a pinnacle of humanity, you are. Disciples, you should all be like Peter. Seven. He said seven, not three, everybody. He said seven. What a man of God this man is. And Jesus goes, no, no, Peter. Not seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus wasn't expecting Peter then to go, right, hold on. That's six and a half. Seven What the principle is saying is this, you forgive and you go on forgiving. And you go, how can I do that? How can I possibly begin to live like that? Steve, you don't understand the pain and the hurt that's been caused in my life. You clearly don't know what unforgiveness or what pain and hurt is like to experience having to forgive somebody for something that's done something against you. But I have learned over time through pain and difficult circumstances. might not be yours, but they're mine and they're very real. And they hurt. And I have to take them to God to allow him to be able to deal with them. And it's only in him and through him that I'm able to find the resources that I need to be able to do that, to forgive. And Jesus tells us how and where that comes from here in this parable. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven, verse 23, is like a king who went to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Here's the situation. So this man owes uh, the king um, 10,000 talents. Now, 
One talent is the equivalent in monetary terms to 20 years' wages. Now, he owed 10,000 talents. So he was in a lot of trouble. Do the maths on it. I did it this week. Sad my life that it is. Uh, it's about five billion pounds in monetary terms was the debt. Couldn't pay it back. Had no way to be able to pay it. No chance whatsoever. And what does the king do? He goes, we'll just rub it out. We'll pretend it never existed. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. The debt is cancelled. It's clear. Now get on with your life. It's a picture of what God does for us. That we are so in debt to him because of the way that we choose to, we have lived our lives, that we have rejected him and turned our back on him. We are utterly bankrupt, totally in debt, in a debt that we could never ever even begin to imagine that we could possibly pay back. And at the cross, he paid for it all. And when we embrace the reality of what he has for us, he says, debt's cleared. Now live. Life in all its fullness is available to you. And if you're not here as a Christ follower, as a Christian here today, that's what's available for you. The gift of forgiveness in and through the cross of Christ is available for you here today and we would love to introduce you to him uh, later on if you would like that. But then what does this man do? Does he go, oh, this is amazing. My life is incredible. Thank you. I'm going to live out of the abundance of that now. Well, no, what does he do? Jesus goes on to tell in the parable that when, the, uh, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, so a mate of his, who owed him 100 denarii. That's the equivalent to 10,000 pounds. Now, I know that seems a lot of money, but compared to 5 billion pounds, it's not very much really, is it? And the parable goes on to tell us that what he does is he grabs a hold of this man. He says, you owe me 10,000 pounds. Pay it now. And he goes, well, I don't have it, please forgive me, please let me off. He goes, no, and he grabs him, by, literally grabs him by the neck and begins to choke him and throttle him. And then word gets back to the king about it, and the king, clearly, he goes, seriously? That compared with that? Did, did you not grasp what I've just done for you, and yet you want to drain every little inch out of this tiny little thing for this person? And the king calls him in, and he says to him, have you lost the plot? What are you doing? You do not, cannot, must not live like that. Understand the debt that you have been just set free from. Now live in the freedom of it and pass that on to others. Allow the grace that's flowed into your life to now flow from you to those who are indebted to you. Bring freedom to their lives in the same way that freedom has been brought to you. And I'm not asking you to do a big thing, however much your big thing might seem to you, in comparison to what you have been set free from, to the debt that has been cancelled for you, it is nothing in comparison. So give as you have received. And right at the end of this story, a frightening piece. And remember, like Jesus here is talking to Christ followers. Not to those outside the church, He's talking to Peter and to his disciples. And he's saying, listen, you can't live like that. You cannot receive the forgiveness of God if you do not pass it on and allow that gift to flow out from you. In fact, to finish is like this. Help me write the right page. In anger, his master, that is God, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. See, when we hold on to forgiveness, un- or when we hold on to unforgiveness, and we do not give the gift of forgiveness, as I said earlier, it's a poison that runs through our veins and through our life. It literally tortures us. And when we give that gift to God, 
And when we allow that gift of forgiveness to impart or to, to be imparted into our life and then to allow it to flow out, we discover that actually that disappears. We find peace and a lightness and a joy and a peace. And Jesus finishes up by saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. It's something that he'd already taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. We will have prayed it hundreds of times when we've prayed or mumbled the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins or our debts as we have forgiven our debtors or those who sin against us. It's a principle that Jesus follows up in two verses later in Matthew 6.14 where he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. Whoa, whoa. Now that steps it up a few bars. Now make no mistake, make no mistake here, God isn't making a bargaining, bargain with us here. He is not saying, because you've forgiven others, I will forgive you. We can never earn God's forgiveness. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ enables and covers the forgiveness of sins. But, what Jesus is saying here is this, is that if you hold on to unforgiveness, then you haven't grasped the magnitude of what you've been forgiven from. Not only have you not got grace, but grace has not got you. When it does, true repentance from my debt to God results in crucifying every trace of bitterness towards others' debts to me. What Jesus is saying here, friends, is this. You cannot semi-repent. And too many Christians have semi-repented. You see, repentance literally means I was heading in that direction, living my life that way and ignoring everything about God. Repentance is literally you turn 180 degrees and you move and live life in the opposite direction. And yet so many of us live either in a, in, not in a 100% full out for God, we kind of live in an 80-20 or a 70-30, and we're kind, of, we're kind of looking back and we're holding on to stuff, as well as looking forward and trying to grab a hold of what God has got in store for us. If we, perhaps if we're, if we're kind of struggling, we may be more 30-70. But God, see, when, when you said, I surrender all, God thought you meant it. And that's what he asks of us. That we repent and we believe that God will deal with that. And we trust him for that. And we walk in step with the Spirit day by day by day. So how do we unwrap this gift? I want to get really practical just as we begin to draw this to a close. How do we unwrap this gift? The first thing we have to do, they're all four D's as well to make it really simple. For me, not for you. First thing we have to do is decide. If we want to unwrap this gift, we have to decide. Proverbs 19 verse 11, smart people know how to hold their tongue. Their grandeur is to forgive and to forget. And if you wait until you feel it, you will never do it. If you wait until you feel forgiveness in order to give it, you will never do it. Forgiveness isn't a feeling, it's a choice, it's an act of the will. It's a decision to take the record of wrongs that has been marked against you and tear it up, destroy it, get rid of it once and for all, and then, I'm not like going away, bin it. So that we keep no record of what has been done to us. It's a decision. 
It's not ignoring, nor is it diminishing what has happened to us. It is choosing to erase it and shred it before it becomes lodged in the heart and takes root and has a chance to grow. And then, when we do that, the feeling comes. Then peace comes. Then a lightness comes. Then a new worldview and perspective comes. And we go, wow, that's how I'm meant to see life. That's what freedom looks like. That's what forgiveness does in our lives when we embrace it. We decide. Secondly, we depend. We depend on the gift giver. Here's a health warning for you. Do not attempt this on your own. Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can do all things because I am a Christian. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You cannot do this on your own. You'll try and you'll succeed to a level to a part if you've got a good sense of kind of determination and will. But you will not succeed in whole. You'll be living perhaps a 70-30 life rather than 100% out for God. Forgiveness is not dependent on external circumstances. In other words, how other people respond. That does not matter. It's to do with an internal transformation where we let go and we let God. And we trust him to come through. The solution is not to fix the other person. The solution is to gain a heart that is overflowingly thankful for the grace from Christ. Grasp the magnitude of my debt of what I have actually been forgiven from. And the hope and the joy and the peace that I have because of what Christ has done for me. So that it spills over with grace towards those who are debtors to me. We sung about it in in a song already here today about being filled up and filled up to overflowing. It's not so you feel pink and fluffy. It's so that you can be the aroma of Christ in every situation that you'll find yourself in, good and bad. So we decide, we depend. Thirdly, we do. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 2,000 years ago, James points to a dynamic that's as true today, that we have a tendency to deceive ourselves. See, we can come into church, perhaps you've come in here today, and even as you've been sitting here, you've been thinking about someone or a situation or a circumstance in your past, and you know that it's done that in your life, and you bear the scars and you feel the pain of that, and it's all very real for you. Perhaps it's that or any other the, the talks that you come in here. And we can come into church and we can hear stuff. We can go, oh, that was nice. It's good, and we go out and we get on with our lives. Sometimes if, we, if, we, if we've had a really good day, we can hear it and we can believe it. We go, yes, Steve's right. Forgiveness, the gift, it's good. We should embrace it and we should give it. Yes, Steve's right. Sometimes we hear it, we believe it, and we are convicted by it. In other words, we go, ooh, hang on, it's not just for the person next to me. This is actually for me. Ooh, ouch. And then we go, whoa. I had an amazing time with God this morning. I felt really convicted. You didn't have an amazing time with God. You felt really convicted. But the question is, did you then do anything with what God convicted you about? That's when we have an amazing time with God. That's when we discover what he has in store for us. Maybe if we're like super spirits. I know this is a a Pentecostal church. And uh, uh, so therefore it's much more likely in a church like this than it is in my church. 
where they kind of just uh, might, you know, if they're looking really happy, they might occasionally smile and uh, nod their head. Whereas here, you kind of get that, you know, you know, s- something happens or somebody sp- preacher says something, and you hear somebody they go, "Hmm," you know, it's the the good old Christian, "Hmm," you know, "Yeah, hmm." Okay, so so we can hear it, we can believe it, we can be convicted by it, we can be convicted by it, and even go, "Hmm, yes, Lord, you're right. Hmm, hmm, I'm going to do something about this." But unless we do something with what we hear. We deceive ourselves, James says. We think we've had an amazing encounter with God, which has transformed us. But unless we do something with what we hear, no transformation takes place. Which is why if we don't do something with what we hear, when we leave and we find ourselves in our situation and our circumstances, week by week by week, those relationships come up all over again and we go, whoa, there it is all over again. Why? Because we didn't do something with what we heard. We felt convicted by it, but then we left, we had a coffee, we had a dinner, and we got on with the rest of our lives. And then what do we do? We blame God for the fact that what he offers doesn't really work in my life. Whereas when God's saying, you've just got to live it my way, and it does, so are you going to trust me? Are you going to take that step of faith? Are you going to walk into all that I have in store for you? Our act of forgiving is a seed of obedience in his word. And once we've sown it, God is then faithful to bring a harvest of blessing one way or another. Emotional well-being, physical well-being, spiritual freedom. It doesn't insist upon or guarantee reconciliation. You are not signing up if you forgive somebody to go on holiday with them next year. Praise the Lord. What you're doing is walking into freedom. And forgiveness transforms lives, causing the window of heaven to be open. I just want to share a couple of stories with you that I shared earlier and I found myself getting quite emotional when I did uh, because it just blows me away when God does this stuff in people's lives. You know, when we say yes to God, God delivers. Shock, surprise, news, everybody. Debbie was a lady, is a lady in our church. She became a mother of two, uh, became a Christian about 18 months ago. Um, when about 10 years ago, she was... Um, Something happened in, in, in her situation uh, that, that was not particularly pleasant in terms of a, a, a guy and the way that he dealt with her. And she's been carrying this baggage, this situation, for, for quite some time. Angry, hurt, affecting their family, affecting their wider family. And until she came to Christ, and then about six months ago, she really felt God laid on her heart that she should begin to pray for this guy. And when she did... God stepped in and now she has a lightness and a peace and a contentment and a joy that she did not have before Tara is a lady who's grown up uh, in Northern Ireland uh, sorry Southern Ireland uh, in Dublin a very strong Roman Catholic background um, became a Christian about uh, nine months ago uh, 12 months ago something like that Uh, but when she was a a young teenager she um, got pregnant uh, and uh, it was a, a, a family just thought it was horrendous, terrible. So uh, unbeknown to anyone else in their community or in their family, they packed her up, sent her over here to England and forced her to have an abortion. And she's lived with the guilt of that and the anger of that and the pain of that for 18 years of her life. She couldn't bear to be in the same room as her mother who was the one that made the decision. Their relationship was fraught and difficult and painful Uh, until 
we had a little kind of ceremony where we kind of gave it all to God, really. Went out and we have some posh places in Oxford and lakes and nice buildings and stuff like that. So we chose a nice, poncy place like that. And we, we had this little ceremony. But, but we, we held a kind of little thanksgiving for this child. Ask God to forgive her, for her to have the strength to forgive her mum. She's just had a baby and uh, her mum was over. And her mum sat down next to her and she said, there should be four children in your family, not three. And she said, mum, it's okay. I'll forgive you. That child's with God anyway. See, when we say yes to God and we stop living like this or living like this and we say, I'm going to live it like this and I'm going to embrace this gift of forgiveness and now I'm going to pass it on. So it brought, brings freedom, not only to Tara's mum, but it brings freedom to her. She now lives life in a much lighter way, with a greater perspective, with a new world view. She celebrates and she enjoys. She doesn't carry that burden and that weight anymore. So we decide, we depend, we do. And lastly, we must defend. Not your rights, but your heart. Not your rights, but your heart. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. It says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let the sun go down in your anger or we give the devil a foothold is what Paul says here. And if the devil doesn't get a foothold, he cannot get a stronghold. I came up with this. I thought it was brilliant. I didn't like it at the first service, but I'm going to use it again. Leon didn't anyway. This needs to be this statement. This next statement, by the way, needs to be served with crackers. All right, it's that cheesy, but I think it's brilliant. And if you remember nothing else, you will remember this: forgiveness each day keeps the devil at bay. So next time you pick up an apple, you'll remember that. Now today, you've made a decision perhaps for inner peace. You've gone, do you know what, I want to embrace that. I want to enjoy all that God has in store for me. It's time for me to let go and to let God, to trust God, to get rid of the stuff that I've been carrying for so long. But you'll have to continue to carry out that decision by a daily commitment to forgive those who have hurt you. And I don't know what you carried in with you, but I know that whatever it is, you do not need to carry it out. We walk around with our, in our lives holding on to this and it hurts us and it's real and we don't need to anymore. And some of you have been carrying this burden around for too long. It's time to let it go. To open up the gift of forgiveness and let it explode into your life and then flow out from you to the lives of those around you. To shatter the pain of the past, enable you to see the world, people, life, God, in a whole new perspective. And for some of you, you've been holding this so long, you have no idea what life is like without it. And the thought of letting go is more scary than the thought of holding on to it. But you just need to know God is there. God will carry you through. God will heal you. God will restore you. God will give you the strength in order to be allowed the grace and the power of God 
to come through in your life. The question is, will you trust him? Will you do that? So as an act of response to the, the word of God today, I want to encourage you to do something with what you've heard. And so you'll see at the front here on the stage are a number of files, and in them are sheets of paper like this. And then as part of your response, if God has prompted something in your life and you know that there is something, anything, a whole load of things that you know that you've just never dealt with, that you've never given to God, you've never entrusted into God's hand and asked him to deal with, then today's the day to let it go. So come up, pick one, pick a sheet out. If you want, you can pick several sheets out. If you need to pick up a file and stick it in the bin, go for it. You know, whatever God's laying on your heart, you know, but just take it. It's time to destroy the reports that we've been keeping and give them to God and then see what he'll do when we step into the forgiveness that's available and allow his forgiveness to flow out through us. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God that forgives. Thank you that we don't have to do this on our own, that you are the gift giver and that when we come to the gift giver that you will give us the resources that we need to be able to live the life that you have. Father, I pray for those that are here today that are whose pulse is racing right now because you've been reminding them of stuff in their own lives. I pray for the hurts and the pains that they've carried for so long, for the turmoil and the, the anxiety and, and the, the fear. And Lord, I pray that they'll have the courage to step out and trust you today. To trust, to trust that as they forgive, that they will find a peace and a lightness and a joy and a, and a hope that only comes in you as we embrace the gift giver and trust you that what you call us to do as we're obedient to it, thank you that you're faithful to provide us with all the resources that we need to be the people that you've called us to be. So I pray right now that you give us courage. Courage to step out in front of our friends or our families courage to step out in front of our church courage to step out and to do what we know you've been calling us to do that we've sat in this room for many many times and we've just gone hmm and we've done nothing with I pray that today will be the day when we do it we take a step and we give it to you and we watch you come through in Jesus name Amen let's sing and as we sing if God has prompted you, I want to encourage you to have the courage to step out and come and take some stuff and, and put it in the bin. And there's going to be some people around uh, and we're going to be around to pray with you uh, if you would like that and if you would find that helpful. If not, and you just want to go back to your seat, that's cool as well. But let's be open. See what God might do if we trust him. Do you know what that is? It's not the pain of the past. This is God at work. It's God at work. It's us saying yes to the gift of forgiveness. It's us saying yes to a new perspective. It's us saying yes and trusting God with the pain of that. And some of you perhaps are kind of feeling, do you know what? I don't know what to do with this gift now. Well, live in it. It's a good start. And then ask God to allow it to flow out from you. To those around you who need to know and embrace and experience that gift. And we're going to 
continue to worship. We're going to continue to celebrate God for all that he's doing. And if you continue to feel prompted, listen, there's more bits of paper here. If necessary, we'll go and photocopy some more. But allow God to continue to work in you. And now let's walk in the freedom that it is. It's done with its dealt. Now let's enjoy the favour of our creator God.